Hey guys, today's guest is a true inspiration in the drinks world. Hailing from Oslo, Norway, she spent time in London as the head bartender of Pollen Street Social. She followed on to work at Himcock and represented her home country in the world-class final. 2015, she was awarded the Linney Honorary Award for her contributions to Norwegian food and drink culture. In 2019, she became the first woman to be awarded the Altos Bartender's Bartender Award at the world's 50 best bars. Currently, she co-owns Teyan Elementary with her partner, Alex Krutena. She owns a liqueur line named Muu, and alongside some of the best minds in the business, she created the non-profit Pour Symposium, where topics such as the modern bartender, gender, and perfection are discussed. Our guest is, of course, Monica Berg, and it was an honour to be able to talk to her. She's a true inspiration to the industry and professional bartending, and it was a delight to talk to her. As you can imagine, with all that I listed above, she's a very busy person, so this interview was recorded as she opened the bar, so I'm thankful we managed to get even this time. As always, if you like the show, join us on Patreon, subscribe to our podcast, and share with all your friends. We also have a new Instagram, named of course on the Bat Bar, so if you can, show us your support by following us on there. Stay on to the end of the show where I will discuss about who is on next, and he is a tequila guru, and uh, you're probably going to like it if you're an agave fan. Enjoy this one, guys. Let's roll the intro. Benjamin Franklin once said, in wine there is wisdom, in beer there is freedom, and in water there's bacteria. No bacteria here. This is On the Back Bar, hosted by Christopher Menning, an industry expert, author, and bartender who's been in the industry for over a decade. On the Back Bar is your gateway to talking to the people behind the scenes at bars, distilleries, and vineyards around the world. We'll talk to the experts in the industry about future trends, people, spirits, cocktails, wine, and everything else. So kick your feet up, pour your favorite drink, and hang out on the back bar. This is Christopher Menning. Right, Monica, hi. Thank you for joining us today on the back bar. How are you? Brilliant. And are you at the bar now getting thing, things organised for the week? Uh, I am. Uh, we just opened, so um, elementary opens 11.30, so mm-hmm. it's kind of an all-day uh, bar. So we are having some visitors uh, this week that will be interning with us, so we are doing uh, some preparation for this. Brilliant. So, I mean, it'd be great if we could start with maybe um, your origin story and how you got to where you are now, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, originally I'm from Oslo, Norway, um, and I've been working in bars for most of my life, um, well, professional life, I would say, um, ranging from pubs, dive bars, nightclubs, restaurants, and then more now in cocktail bars or in combination with food. Um, For the first kind of decades, I was very focused on just learning as much as I could, so I would tend to go to bars that would challenge uh, me in some ways. And then, uh, as I've kind of grown older, I've started to 
focus more on the combination of food and drinks and kind of exploring um, what can be done there. Uh, I find it very interesting um, to kind of see uh, what happens in that uh, relationship. And then um, for the last seven years, I uh, have been based in London um, and kind of enjoying everything. Um, yeah, and last year we opened uh, Tire Elementary with Alex, um, and now we are kind of one week away from celebrating our eight month anniversary. So it's kind of been very interesting, and it feels like it's been years already, but it also feels like it's only been a week. So it's really, <laughs> right. really been a very learning experience, I would say. Well, congratulations on the anniversary coming up. Um, it's really good to hear about your story. And I know you started uh, in London at Jason Afton's restaurant. Yes, I started in Hollister's Fantastic. Yeah, I've actually eaten there. It's a really, really wonderful place. Um, can you tell us a bit about what you did there and your role and what you learned from him there? So... I met actually Gareth Evans, who was the group bar manager at the time. Uh, we competed together in uh, world class, I think it was back in 2013. Um, and I really enjoyed kind of how he works. And when I moved to London, he was in need of a bar manager for Holland Street. Um, and I kind of thought, yeah, why not? Uh, it's always been one of those places that Yes, it's a restaurant, but they also do drinks really well. So it's always cool, good to kind of come in and just see how this new city and this and UK essentially works and kind of learn from the best, I guess. Of course. So, yeah, yeah. so it was really, really great. I was in the beginning, I was in charge of Pond Street and Little Social, and then I kind of, which challenged me because they, they were so different. Um, and I think what I really appreciated also was that during this time uh, I was kind of allowed to do what I wanted to do, but at the same time being given uh, advice on how to kind of adapt to a new city. Mm, okay, brilliant. And currently, you, like you said, you're about to celebrate your eighth month anniversary at Taylor and Elementary. Um, it's also, I mean, it's already sort of quite big on the radar across the world I would say and um, the cocktails look fantastic the venue itself is beautiful um, can you really tell us the story behind uh, the bar itself and how you and Alex came to make it yeah absolutely so I mean it's been for us anyways been a, a long project because when I left Poland Street uh, in the end of 2014 I already knew that uh, in the in the future, I would want to work in my own bar. So that's why I, I didn't commit to any other place in, in London. And we started this whole thought process uh, towards what is now our bar. So um, in the beginning, obviously, uh, we had more experience in West London. So we were looking for venues there. But then it became clear to us that our style or our bar probably would fit more east um, and you know we always knew that we wanted two parts uh, because we wanted to kind of have the freedom of being very creative and adventurous in one part and being a little bit more 
uh, not mainstream or whatever you want to call it, uh, perhaps a bit, a bit more approachable in the second. And then we wanted kind of uh, the space to have as many functions as possible. So we want to have food there. We want to have, you know, um, good beers, good wines. And it really is a space that is very, at the very core, it's about collaboration. Because for us, uh, we we don't know everything about everything. So we just surround ourselves with people that are really good at what they do and we kind of take their advice. So, um, for example, our beers are curated by Andy, who's our friend and also the owner of Partisan. Uh, our wines are... Uh, decided or curated by Fred Marty, who's a fantastic sommelier that we worked with before, um, and obviously our kitchen is is run by um, Tata. So it's it's really is about getting good people together and just see what that can lead to. Sure, and I really do love that about your sort of ethos of constantly learning. Um, can you tell us about the research and development process at Taya? Because I know you're kind of you're constantly trying to improve on recipes and and learning. I, I think that's really something quite important. People should learn about. Yeah. So, um, I think throughout the years we have been lucky enough to to be um, exposed to a lot of great people and kind of seen ideas from the beginning to the final execution and I think for us what defines our drinks perhaps is the fact that we don't necessarily pay that much attention to the classics or uh, the classic recipes in that sense Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think that many of the classic cocktails are indeed great cocktails but because the ingredients or spirits or produce that we use today has changed um, I think it also uh, means that the recipes needs to change. So we focus perhaps more on flavor. So yes, for example, if you take a Manhattan or take a dry martini, yes, of course, there are recipes that will guide you to the perfect drink. But there's also a lot of variables that you need to take into consideration. So as important as it is to do know that classic specs you also need to understand why they are the way that they are so that you can make the uh, alterations or make the adjustments to get the cocktail that is delicious every time because what we like to say to ourselves or our teams is that at some point if uh, as a bartender you need to make the decision uh, if you're more if, if it's more important to you that your cocktails are historically correct or if they will be delicious in today's setting and for us it's much more about the latter so you know we use the the classic cocktails as a guideline and then we just rework it so we found kind of our ways of doing classics where we adjust maybe the proportions uh, so that we make cocktails that in our opinion are more balanced and then on the other side we just um, throw all of these kind of notions out the window and then we just uh, make cocktails based purely on the flavor of things uh, mm-hmm. where we focus a lot on you know ingredients uh, themselves maybe not spirits or wines or beers but more like 
actual produce and how we can kind of utilize them in the best way. What kind of uh, those, uh, like what kind of ma- manipulations, if that's the right word, I don't think that's the right word perhaps, but yeah. what kind of techniques and pro- procedures maybe mm-hmm. uh, we can apply to kind of work and get the most out of the flavor, whether it's, you know, fermentation, uh, and if it's fermentation, what kind of fermentation, whether it's distillation, whether it's, you know, just uh, simply extracting the flavor through, you know, um, through juicing or any kind of like ex- uh, liquid extraction. So yeah, we just like to really understand the products. Uh-huh. And can you talk us through some of the cocktails on the menu currently? At the moment, yes. So in Tayer, um, the concept is constant evolution. So we change the menu daily, uh, more or less. Wow, okay. Um, because we work with a lot of you know, smaller producers, growers, farmers, and sometimes they're only able to deliver very small amounts because of the way that they grow, mm-hmm. um, which means that Sometimes you only have 10 portions of one cocktail or 20 portions. So when it's gone, it's gone. So uh, that's why the, the kind of uh, constant change. But at the moment we have, for example, our martini, um, which we always try to have a martini variation, which uh, uses fat washing as a technique. Mm-hmm. Right now it's uh, sesame. so. It's our tire heppel gin, which has been fat washed with sesame oil, a little bit of um, number 52 aquavit, and then martini bianco. From nice, Luke. okay. So it's kind of like, we always try to make very soft, very uh, approachable martinis, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps for, for those who are not that used to, to the category. Then we have one of my favorites at the moment because we are in the middle of the fourth rhubarb season. So our drinks don't have names, they just are kind of listed by the main flavor. So for the fourth rhubarb, we have infused the rhubarb in Bacardi uh, Carta Blanca, which is obviously an, a white rum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's mixed with Lille Blanc, um, Tio Pepitino Sherry, and Campari. But then obviously, um, we also have uh, a fermented rhubarb syrup and a rhubarb wine that we made last summer. Um, right. so we always use multiple techniques um, to get the one flavor into the cocktail, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily list it on the menu because I think that would be too much. Much yeah. like you know, much like a chef, he only lists maybe the technique that is important uh, for the dish. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a reference, but you don't necessarily have to list every single step of what you do. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic. And, and the cocktails sound delicious. Actually, in previous menus I've created, I've taken a lot of inspiration from this sort of style of, of um, menu creation. And uh, Nico de Soto is also very similar on this, I think, um, in terms of highlighting the ingredient used. Um, mm. You mentioned this is Taya. So it's actually interesting because the bar is um, it's split, right? What was the decision behind that, and can you tell us why elementary is different? 
Tayer is in the back yeah. and it, can, it opens at five and it's much more, you know, Tayer, uh, the name derives yeah. from Spanish and it, it means a workshop. So it's just like here, nothing is ever set in stone. Mm -hmm. uh, not, just because it's on the menu doesn't mean that it's finished. Uh, we always try to look at fun ways to explore ingredients that are very common for most of us. Whereas in elementary, which is a bit more like your neighborhood bar where um, we want to make cocktails really available and approachable for as many people as possible. We take perhaps drinks that are quite familiar, but then we try to um, add maybe a small detail or change something that makes perhaps more unusual ingredients, more uh, exposed to a bigger group of people. So for example, we have our uh, Palo Santo Gimlet, which is very popular, which is essentially a modern take on a Gimlet, but where we use a Palo Santo, which is an aromatic wood from Latin America, but then when we use it, it's these kind of eucalyptus, mental, um, coconutty flavors mm -hmm. uh, into it. So it's just familiar enough that you would want to try it, and then new enough that uh, it gives you a new experience. We also have our whey sour, which is, you know, we are in a country where citrus is not natural uh, as part of the agriculture. So we wanted to do a sour that uses no citrus. So we're using the whey from uh, a cultured milk product. So we use kefir. So it has this natural acidity. And then we mix it with uh, vodka and aquavit. So it, it's kind of familiar again but also very different and mm -hmm. um, and we really just it's as if going to the pub was going to a cocktail bar because you know it's a place for people to hang out with their friends to drop by maybe use it more like a few times a week we can also we are open during the day and mm -hmm. and it's just about really efficiency and having uh, an environment that is welcoming and fun for people. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, yeah, I can't wait to visit it. I really can't. And um, <laughs> it sounds like the development process is really on point. And where did you, where did a lot of this inspiration come from f with cooking elements into cocktails? And I know it's sort of a worldwide phenomenon now. Everyone's catching up to the chefing world, I would say. But what, what sort of um, yeah, where was your inspiration from when it came to, to kitchen ingredients and, and cooking processes? Um, for, for me, I, I've always grown up in a well, in a family that where food was a big part of of uh, everyday life. I would mm -hmm. say, like more not all, just eating, but also you know, growing, harvesting, hunting, fishing, all of these things were kind of you you learn these preservation techniques from your uh, from your childhood so it's just very natural to me um, mm -hmm. and I think that you know working with chefs is always great but as much as you know our professions are quite similar they're also quite different I would say because chefs they normally they work with uh, higher temperatures they work uh, to concentrate flavor, whereas uh, in bars we often work with uh, sub-zero temperatures, like on the cold side, 
uh, but we also work often with opening up flavors so rather than, mm. because spirits wines all of these flavors are quite concentrated to begin with so our role is much more to make it palatable uh, in the opposite uh, way but i think it all, also it just makes so much sense because i think in the last few years people have become much more aware of the cost of ingredients the cost of you know creativity and also trying to utilize as much as you can mm -hmm. from each ingredient and if you really want that you need to use these culinary techniques yeah. um, in order to extract that flavor mm -hmm. and what sort of uh, resources would you recommend for for some bartenders who want to you know learn about this style i mean I would always say that books is a great way to start. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of really nice uh, books that you can read to kind of gain more uh, information. Um, but also, I think that if you have the chance to go and do a stage or an internship mm. uh, somewhere, that's also an amazing way to learn. Um, but obviously, you have to have the time and the they want to do that mm -hmm, for sure so um, another thing that you yourself Alex and a number of other well-known bartenders are part of is um, Poor Symposium can mm -hmm. you tell us the story of how you all came together and decided to create that so Poor was the answer for some uh, to a question about who or how can you educate yourself so back in the days there used to be less bar shows but there were perhaps more focus on education from more of the bar shows whereas now it's uh, it's not that they don't educate people but it's a lot more commercially driven mm -hmm. so we wanted to create a platform that were kind of open to discuss the things that other people didn't want to talk about you know the mm. the topics that don't necessarily sell cases or or create brands but the topics that are important for our industry to grow and to improve so you know we wanted to have a platform where you can talk about equal pay or uh, work uh, and work environments uh, or kind of you know, discuss things that are important to bartenders. So the only way that we knew how to do it was to create our own uh, kind of symposium. So where we wanted to have a place where bartenders could get together and discuss what is important to them and which was brand free in the sense of no branding, but brands are more than welcome to join in, uh, into the discussion. And when we did the first poor symposium in Paris, we kind of, before you can start to criticize something, before you can change something, you also have to, you know, define what you are and define what is the issue. So our first symposium was uh, called the Modern Bartender, where we kind of uh, discussing all the changes that bartending has seen. Uh, because the last few decades, bartending has changed a lot, there's no doubt there but it also hasn't changed um, because at the end of the day 
being a bartender is still about taking care of people in a bar, you know? So yes. uh, on, onwards from that, we, we discussed topics like gender, perfection, and all, those, all these uh, speakers that we invite are mostly from outside of our industry because I think that many of the other shows, they have speakers from within the industry. We wanted to focus on the bigger picture, drawing inspiration and examples from other uh, disciplines. Yeah. I think that there's many things that you can learn uh, from other people and apply to your own kind of work and it will be much more efficient because I mean if you look at inspiration only from other cocktail bars then the only thing you will create is another cocktail bar <laughs> very yeah. true very true and I think it's very progressive and, and such a good idea what was um what are some of the best talks or speakers you've had on oh <laughs> so that is very difficult to yeah. say because they are all amazing but sure. I mean uh, I must say that there are I can only say from a personal perspective obviously mm -hmm. but the gender talks we did have a mathematician that spoke about how the kind of depending on what questions you ask there's always an answer first of all but also uh, the kind of the road to problem solving is through empathy and that is very true in my opinion yeah. uh, we also had uh, for our perfection uh, talk uh, or symposium we had uh, Shelby who's a ballerina and she was talking about her obsession with perfection and how that impact had previously impacted her hmm. her life and how she learned to not uh, obsessed about being perfect but rather than enjoying the journey and the mistakes as well mm -hmm. uh, that was a really powerful talk and I think from last year's symposium I think that Jeffrey Morgenthaler's talk was amazing mm. he's, he's such a you know icon for so many people including myself and such a fantastic like person to be around so yeah, yeah it was really really good Fantastic. People who are listening, how can they learn more about Poor Symposium and how can they go to view it this year, for instance? So Poor is, uh, we always record all our talks and uh, upload them for free online. So you can go to pourdrink.org hmm. um, and, and see all the talks there. Or you can simply follow us on Instagram where mo uh, we have more like the day-to-day -day communications. Uh, and for the symposium, the symposium is always free to attend for anyone. The only thing you need to do is when uh, we release the tickets or we release the applications, then you just have to sign up, essentially. Right. Because, mm -hmm. So it, it doesn't cost you anything. It just takes 30 seconds of your time. Brilliant. And where is it held this year? Um, so last year we moved the symposium from Paris to London and London will continue to be our home for, for the next two years. Okay, fantastic. Well, Monica, I won't take any more of your time. It's been really good to hear about sort of what you're getting up to now and I think for most of the audience they'd love to come check out the bar and also uh, Poor Symposium. Just touching on Teo and Elementary again, whereabouts is it in London for everyone to know about? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, so we are in Old Street, which mm-hmm. is uh, East London, but not as far east as Shoreditch. So mm-hmm. our closest tube station is Old Street tube station, um, and it's quite central. So okay. yeah. Brilliant. Well, good luck for the rest of the year. Thank you for coming on Thank the you show, so much. and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Perfect. Thank you. Well, that was it, guys. What did you think? If you have any feedback, any questions, then please give me an email. Uh, you can contact me on Christopher at gastronomylifestyle.com, or you can just subscribe, leave a comment, or even better, you can join our Patreon because you'll get a ton of awards, including my cocktail recipe ebook, which is currently on special offer until the 21st of Feb. So, yep, that's it from us. Next week, we have Jesse Estes from Ocho Tequila. Um, he's, he's amazing. He's just like a tequila god. He just knows everything about production method. Uh, he's born into the family, so really it's quite interesting for you agave nuts out there. Enjoy your week, guys, and I'll talk to you all soon. Ciao.